This is Look West, a podcast from California's Assembly Democrats. Hi, I'm Andy Domic. And I'm Nairi Bagdasarian, and we're with Look West. How's it going, Nairi? Going well. How's it going with you, Andy? Doing pretty well, actually. So this is our second vaccine episode, and between episode one and this episode, my mom got her vaccine, and I am thrilled about that. How about your family, Nairi? Some have. I have family who work in the healthcare industry, so they definitely got theirs, and I'm waiting on other family to get their shot. That's kind of the big question we have. When is it going to be available for others? Uh, I know that supply has been an issue. Uh, I know that still others are a little bit hesitant uh, to get the shot. They're kind of slow to warm up to it. Um, I mean, some people have a really good reason for being slow. I mean, there's been a lot of medical trauma and you know, systemic racism uh, in, in the medical establishment. I mean, you think about it, and the Tuskegee experiments didn't even end until the 70s. So there might be some communities across the state who are just a little more slow to warm up to taking uh, the vaccine. Yeah, and I mean, you know this, supply will get better, we'll have more uh, as time goes on. But being Armenian and part of a minority community, I completely understand wanting to hear from trusted sources and trusted messengers to validate the legitimacy of this vaccine. We're very lucky in California. We have Dr. Shirley Weber in office. She's our new Secretary of State. She is a very prominent African-American elected official. And one of the cool things she did right before she was sworn in to be Secretary of State, when she was still in the State Assembly, she went and got her COVID vaccine. And she recorded what amounts to a PSA where she speaks to her community and all communities across the state about uh, why everyone should take the shot when it's your turn. Hi, I'm Assemblymember Shirley Weber, and I am uh, just finished getting my first vaccine, and uh, uh, I feel great. It's it's been over 30 minutes, and uh, and as a result, I, I my arm doesn't hurt yet, but I assume it will eventually. But that's minor in comparison to what I'm going to get in terms of the uh, immunity. So I am uh, encouraging everyone who lives in the 79th and in the state of California to really do our part, to really not only to wear our mask, uh, to make sure that we keep our distance, our social distancing, washing our hands regularly, but when it's your time, to be sure to get vaccinated. Uh, this is how we're going to deal with this. This is how we're going to get beyond it. And if you're like me, it's I've been vigilant. I've been vigilant for uh, since March of last year, and it has been difficult. It has been hard to not be able to see my staff, to not always be able to see my family that I haven't seen in months. But this is the way out, and this is the way through it. And so I'm going to encourage everyone who is my constituent and who's not my constituent uh, to basically do your part. Do those things we talk about, the mask and the washing of hands and the social distancing and all those things. But to also, when your time comes, and it is coming soon, to be sure to get vaccinated. Another factor that has some people slow to say yes is the newness of the vaccine. And this next conversation really leans into that. It really is at the cutting edge of science. And our next guests are going to address that head on. Assemblymember Jim Wood, the chair of the Assembly Health Committee, will be speaking with my neighbor, Christy Silman. She's a local nurse practitioner. Christy's talking to Dr. Wood today because she's been living at the cutting edge of science since she was born. Well, my name's Jim Wood. I'm the state assembly member for the second assembly district, which is the north coast of California, which is a big district uh, starts. Uh, we'll go. We'll go north to south. Uh, Del Norte County, Humboldt County, Trinity County. 
Mendocino County and the northern half of Sonoma County. Um, I'm a dentist by training and uh, still maintain my, my license to practice. And, uh, and I'm currently the chair of the health committee uh, in the assembly and have been for the last five years. And so as such, uh, a lot of the issues uh, that are COVID related, uh, uh, we're either engaging in uh, legislatively or certainly engaging with the administration on, on how we move things forward. And it has been a real challenge um, uh, just in general. This is a really complicated issue. Uh, and getting this vaccine out to as many people as quickly as we can has proven to be a pretty significant challenge. Um, I was, uh, have, have actually uh, been party to conversations over the last year or so. Uh, dentists are, are uniquely uh, positioned, I think, to be helpful. Um, we give injections, uh, very precise injections, on a, on a very regular basis, uh, many, many times a day in practice. And uh, kind of feel like, you know, if we can hit those small targets and create the profound anesthesia for people, uh, hitting someone in the deltoid is like, like hitting a barn door. So, um, <laughs> and so fortunately, um, advocacy through the Dental Association and um, uh, the Newsom administration, the governor and his administration have agreed that dentists can do this, uh, do these vaccinations. Uh, there was some training involved. I, I did that training. And then a few days later, I put it to work. I, I went up into Ukiah and uh, started doing some vaccinations. And so I'm planning to do that again um, in the next week or so and uh, try and might to do my part to see what I can do to get it in as many arms as possible as quickly as we can. Hi, my name is Christy Silman. I'm a nurse practitioner at Sutter Sacramento. And I'm also an adult living with complex congenital heart disease which means that I was born with five different defects of my heart and I have undergone four heart surgeries. So this makes me uh, unique in that I am both a healthcare provider and a vulnerable person. So the COVID-19 pandemic affected me in a very unique way in that um, I had to go into the hospital every day knowing that I am at risk for the more severe form of COVID. So the vaccinations have really been a huge source of relief for me to be able to focus on caring for my patients without worrying about myself in the process. So you've gotten the vaccination. Um, yes. And what about your family or the people you live with, uh, have they been able to get the vaccination? Because as we look at the concept of herd immunity, um, we all have our own herds. And so you need the people around you to be vaccinated as well, to be in a position where you can feel 100% comfortable that you're safe. Um, yes, I am fully vaccinated and I'm very grateful. My husband also works in the healthcare industry, so he is fully vaccinated. He actually got vaccinated before I did. Um, and my son, obviously, he's not eligible yet. Um, but my extended family, my parents, they're um, aging and we need assistance from them um, to watch our son. And they have not been able to receive their vaccination. They are calling both their healthcare provider and their county uh, almost daily trying to find out. And they're both over 65. And they both still have not been able to get their vac their first vaccination. So it's very frustrating, as you said, to achieve that sort of 
in within your own pod, within your own pod that herd immunity, um, we're still struggling to get my parents vaccinated. How did you feel when you got vaccinated? Um, so emotionally, I mean, physically, okay. I know how we all feel after <laughs> you get vaccinated, but you know, <laughs> I did not realize how emotional it would be. I mean, I was elated. I, I became the first for everybody in the area getting their picture. I was so excited to take my own picture. Um, but also just a huge sense of relief. Um, like I said, it's very different when you're having to walk into the hospital every day during this pandemic. I'm not directly caring for COVID patients, but I have been caring for patients in the hospital around the COVID units or in the COVID units. So I'm very much exposed. And besides, you know, wearing my regular PPE, there's that question of, am I bringing it home? Am I going to have it myself or am I going to bring it to someone I love? And being able to individually be able to know that I'm, I'm protected is a huge relief, a huge relief. Well, you've kind of li you've lived your entire life on the cutting edge of medicine. And, I have. Um, <laughs> and here you are again with, with, this, uh, with, this, with this amazing vaccine. You know, there, I know there's people that are hesitant about the vaccine and obviously you aren't and you weren't and, and you have tremendous faith in, in the medical system. What would you say to people that are hesitant? Yeah, I mean, I understand the hesitation. It's always scary to uh, take a new form of medical therapy, whatever that may be. So when I was born, the doctors told my parents that I'd only live for three days um, or they could sign up for a clinical trial. And thank goodness they signed up for that clinical trial. So I really literally have lived my life on the edge, cutting edge of medicine. And, um, you know, you kind of get to this point where it's like risks and benefits and the benefit here is huge. I mean, I think it would be different if the clinical trials for specifically the Pfizer and the Moderna vaccination had maybe had not such phenomenal results. I could see how maybe myself, I would have had some pause for that as well. Um, but the outcomes, I mean, 95% protection and 100% protection against the severe form of COVID-19. I mean, you can't get much better than that for a new vaccine. And the technology is really fascinating and understanding the scientific process and having faith in scientists and medical personnel is imperative. And I know there's a, an air of distrust right now about medical personnel. I've actually experienced that myself recently, which is the first time in my career of patients saying, I know you're just wanting money and I know you just do this for, um, you know, your dollar, your dollar, your end dollar um, point here. And I have to say to them, no, I actually care. I, I want the best for you. I don't ask you to come in. I don't personally get any financial gain from that. I just want you to be taken care of and I want to provide the best care for you. So the same goes with this. The doctors and the um, scientists who developed this, they, they want herd immunity. They want us to get back to normal. They want our economy back on track. There's no alternative motive here. Um, so that's, 
I know it's challenging to look past a lot of the novelty of it, um, but the benefits are so large here, so large. Well, and I think, you know, what a lot of people don't realize, I think that there has been a lot of research that's been done that leading up to the moment where we could actually have a really focused effort on developing a vaccine for a novel virus like this. And, and that's why I think you're seeing, um, not only is it uh, uh, Pfizer and Moderna, now AstraZeneca and, and, and others coming along because of all that work that's been done in the background. I think the perception is that, you know, that suddenly we decided, oh boy, we better start working on this um, is, 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 a, is a bit uh, disconcerting because I, 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 there has been so much uh, basic science research leading up to this moment uh, to be able to do this that uh, I, I think people need to step back and, and reflect and realize that that, that, you know, that really is a significant component in how we've gotten to where we are today and so quickly, quite frankly. Right, right. You're absolutely right. I think the misconception that this was rushed into production is feeding that conspiracy that well, this is, I don't want to take this, they rushed this into production. And um, the reality is this has been in development since the first SARS outbreak and, and even before then. And as things usually happen, the research money stalled and the science stalled. But with the uh, COVID-19 pandemic coming about, they could extrapolate all of that data to fast track this vaccination. So it's not that it was developed quickly, it's that we had the tools there and we were able to use them woo, in the nick of time. So I, I'm interested, Dr. Wood, how are you feeling um, about the vaccination and, and being able to give vaccinations and the, the power in that as well? You know, um, I haven't practiced, you know, clinical dentistry in a few years now, and um, but but I have done other things that uh, that always seem to bring me back to that clinical uh, desire to be, you know, with patients. And and I have to say that um, when I, that the governor would had approved this, um, I reached out to my staff and said, you know, is there some place I can volunteer? And um, uh, within a few days, they said, you know, we've got a clinic that's going to happen right here in Ukiah. And I said, I'll be there. And um, for me, I think what um, it was, it was incredibly personally rewarding to be able to do that. Um, and, but what overwhelmed me, uh, quite frankly, that I didn't expect was um, the, the, the attitude of people that were there to be vaccinated. They were so appreciative and trust me, as someone who gave injections for almost 30 years, most people didn't want me to do what I did. And, you know, but, and they didn't necessarily want a bit an injection, you know, in their arm. But um, on the other hand, they were like, just, 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 let's just get it, let's get it done. Let's just get this done. And, and uh, it was, uh, it was really, it was personally rewarding to be able to do that. And, uh, and I'll do it. I'm going to do it again as often as I can. It's, um, um, it's how we're going to get back to normal. And the more people that accept this, uh, the sooner we can, and the, and the more vaccine is available, the sooner we're going to be able to get back to, you know, life as we knew it once. Absolutely. We've just got to get shots in arms. And I agree with you. If I can be any part of that, it's so fulfilling. I 
just got an email from Sutter today that they're going to, you know, they're recruiting people to volunteer in their vaccine clinics. And I think I'm going to do it as well, just because I want to be part of this history and I want to be part of the effort to help everyone stay safe, to, to save lives in a very tangible way, um, because we are losing people daily. I mean, thousands and thousands of people in this country. And this is what we can do to save lives and to get our economy back on track. And for me, very personally, to get our kids back to school, because um, our, our kids really need to get back to school and we need to get that herd immunity. And it comes through getting those shots in those arms. You know, from a policy perspective, uh, you know, as a legislator, you know, the wheels of the way we do things tend to move somewhat slowly. So, um, you know, we'll introduce a bill and it may, it's not going to go into effect until the next year. And so, um, so a lot of the work that we've been doing is more, I would say more behind the scenes, you know, um, trying to interact with the um, director of public health or the director of healthcare services, uh, health and human services, uh, people on the vaccine task force and trying to say, have you thought of this? Have you thought of that? And, you know, I have uh, and continue to be concerned about the most vulnerable communities. And, um, and that's when I talked to, you know, when I was talking to you, Christy, I was saying, you know, you know, what about your herd or your pod, you know? And I think about, you know, all of the essential workers that are out there and I think of multi-generational families that are living together, you know, grandparents and parents and kids, you know, you can get those grandparents vaccinated, um, but until you get the, the young adults that live in that household and everyone else, you're still, everybody's at risk. And so um, what I keep pushing, and I, and, I, and I hope that as more vaccine becomes available, we can do this concept is that we get into the communities where there are the highest incidence of this and vaccinate households and vaccinate um, pockets of people and get them all vaccinated because I'm, I firmly believe that's how we're gonna slow this, this down. Um, yeah, I think if you continue to do on this broader, you know, we're gonna wait until we're, we have everybody at 65 and older and then so on. So we're kind of missing some a part of the picture there. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking about populations of people and risk. And I think risk is a real important component to equity. And, um, and we, have to, we have to be broader in the way we're looking at things. And this isn't all black and white. And I think what I learned, you know, when I was giving vaccinations and, and part of the real motivation for doing it is I wanted to see, okay, how is this working logistically on the ground? And how are people reacting to this? And um, I, I, I know it's not possible for all the people that are coordinating all these efforts, but I, I, if there was an opportunity for them to see on the ground what is happening, maybe we may see some slight shifts in the way we're doing things. I think you bring up a really good point. It's, you know, I, I, I think looking at who's vulnerable within their pod, um, looking at family clusters is important. I, I think the reality is a lot of people are sort of stuck right now in this place of, I don't know where to turn for my vaccination. Do I go to my healthcare provider? Do I go to the county? Do I go through a state 
run thing do I go through my city? They don't know which area to look at. And that's what I hear uh, from many people, not only my patients, but also, um, you know, friends and family members of, hey, they're doing this at such and such county fairs. Is so-and-so going to qualify? Can we cross county lines? I mean, it's getting really kind of confusing. I'll tell you, healthcare is very challenging for the general population to navigate um, at baseline. And so now you're adding in this demand and this high pressure, we've got to get this done quickly and it's new and we're developing these new vaccine clinics, but not only are healthcare workers and systems struggling to get this sort of up and running, it's the average person knowing how to navigate it and knowing where to turn for their vaccine. Well, the navigation is a huge challenge for people and uh, at the, you know, the state has launched a, a new uh, a new website. It's called myturn.ca.gov, uh, I think. Boy, if I don't have that right, somebody somebody out there fix it. <laughs> but if that, you know, and I, I've contended for quite a while. I think so many people, if they just knew when is my turn in line and is someone going to tell me when it's when I can get it and where I'm going to get it? Because the vast majority of the population, you know, isn't there isn't enough vaccine for the vast majority right now. And we, so we've got to be very focused on, on who we're giving it to. They don't care about the complex network of tiers that we've created. They just want to know when it's their turn. And um, I think there will be a lot, uh, a lot less anxiety if people could just know that somebody out there is looking out for them and is going to be able to tell them it's your turn and here's where you go to get it. And I think uh, we're headed in that direction. Um, and uh, I think once we get there, I think a lot of people will feel a lot better. Agree. I agree. I think that's that's it. And I did see that uh, new website, and I now I have a good resource to point the people who ask me, because there's only so much I can do. <laughs> well, you know, and then you know there was a there's a volunteer group. Uh, there's a website called vaccinateca.com. These are volunteers, and they're making phone calls and using paper and pencils and Excel spreadsheets, and they're putting information out there for people to get. And you know. I hate to say this, but at times, you know, uh, sometimes our state state resources aren't as good, and they these folks have done a remarkable job, and they're getting quite a following. So my my hats off to them for that, um, and that's just one of many efforts. And the more efforts we have, uh, I don't care who does it. Let's 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 get that information out to people and and help to you know reduce that anxiety and and, and make people know that when it's their turn, uh, there's going to be a way to get that vaccine. Absolutely. We also need to make sure that our state systems that we rely upon, uh, that people rely upon, are um, robust and uh, technologically uh, functioning at a really high level. And uh, when you look at our EDD, our employment development folks uh, that handle unemployment, clearly they were not ready for this. Um, and other, other agencies, uh, we need to reinvest in some of the basic infrastructure that supports healthcare. And I mean invest. And, and that's not something we as a state really do much of. Um, and I, I'm going to go off on a little bit of a rant. But bottom line, we as a state don't invest in prevention like we should. Um, whether it's diabetes prevention, we're really good at treating the symptoms of diabetes and the, and the health outcomes from diabetics. But when it comes to prevention, 
we have a really small diabetes prevention program. Yet we spend $3 billion a year on treatment of patients who have diabetes and the conditions associated with that. And so instead of looking at these things as line items in the budget, we need to be looking at them as investments in the health of California. And um, I've been saying this since I got elected, and I'll say it until they run me out of office. Um, but we don't look at these as investments. We look at them as line items, and we've got to change that dynamic. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, I think the infrastructure was not prepared for this pandemic. And I always say this pandemic took whatever cracks we had in society and made them into canyons. And our healthcare system, or the lack thereof, is the canyon that needs to be addressed. And that comes in the form of some sort of universal healthcare coverage, um, an access, universal access to healthcare, or a system that is really integrated. Um, I think that's the challenge is that we have, you know, wonderful healthcare systems that are very separated and um, not as well integrated. And from a state legislature uh, component, I agree bulking up our public health, our public health area to support public health campaigns and, and not only in pandemics, but in our normal healthcare preventative measures. I mean, we, we have, obesity as an epidemic. We have uh, metabolic syndrome, which includes heart disease and diabetes that is killing people and made us uniquely vulnerable as a country to the severe form of COVID-19 because we had all these pre-existing conditions. So what can we do, do to prepare for the next pandemic? We can get ourselves healthier. Amen. That you are so right. I think the statistic I heard a while back was that 40% of the people who contracted COVID had pre-existing health conditions that were entirely preventable, like obesity um, and the diabetes that comes along with uh, at a higher incidence with people who are obese. And so, so being healthier, uh, and that there there goes that prevention thing again, right? You know, and and I think it's I think it's a really critical component here, and an investment because at the end of the day, that early investment in these kinds of things pays huge dividends, and uh, and that's and that's what we really want for everyone. Yeah, we're going to have to dig ourselves out of a hole with this pandemic. Not only are, not only were we set up not to succeed or set up to fail um, in regards to the pre-existing conditions, but now everyone's been so isolated at home. Our children are not outside playing and doing PE. So I used to work with pediatric obesity um, before I was a nurse. Uh, I was a nurse educator, so I really am a big fan of public health and um and prevention and pediatric obesity was a big issue. And I have a feeling that after this pandemic, that's gonna be even more of an issue because our children are more sedentary than they've ever been through this pandemic. And uh, we have, you know, food inequities that have really just come about with this pandemic as well, as along with the economic crisis. So I think we've got to dig ourselves out of a hole and really invest into the health and wellness of our future. So that when this happens again, we're not stuck in a bad place again. We're caught, caught flat-footed, you know, and that's right. That's that's what it feels like. We were caught flat-footed, 
Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to speak about this topic that I'm very passionate about. I, I encourage anyone out there, when it is your turn, take the opportunity because we're only going to get through this together. And I appreciate your time, Dr. Wood. It's been lovely talking with you. Well, Christy, I've enjoyed this a tremendous amount, and I really look forward to meeting you in person. Uh, this Zoom thing is, is fine, but, you know, I'm, I'm very much a people person. I appreciate your perspective and, and, and your amazing spirit um, and uh, the dedication that you have to your work. So thank you very, very much. Um, I would say that uh, while we are still embarking on getting to the, that herd immunity we're all looking for, um, and just, you know, if you get vaccinated, just please remember, if you have been vaccinated or you haven't been vaccinated, please, please wear your masks, socially distance, wash your hands. We're all going to get through this, but we've got to continue these precautionary uh, steps uh, to ensure that we keep not just ourselves healthy, but more importantly, those around us. Um, and so please keep it up. Masks, socially distance and wash your hands frequently. Coming off of that conversation, I have to admit I feel inspired. I mean, Christy's my neighbor, she's my friend, but hearing her talk about her life experience as it relates to these vaccines and how they're going to save, basically save so many lives, um, and just the dedication of people like her and people like Dr. Wood uh, who are caring for people, it's, it is inspiring, and I'm, I'm hopeful. It amazes me the lengths people will go to help each other out, right? Like Christy, like Dr. Wood. Dr. Wood's an assembly member, and he's going out giving vaccines to people. That's awesome. I'm certainly not done learning about this topic. And honestly, I'm looking forward, I'm looking forward to getting this vaccine myself at some point. I'm looking forward to getting some semblance of a normal life back. When it's my turn, it's definitely my turn to get the vaccine. But we do have to end this episode at some point, Andy. Well, with that, I'm Andy Domic with Nairi Vagdasarian. Thank you so much to Assemblymember Jim Wood, former Assemblymember Dr. Shirley Weber, now our Secretary of State, and Christy Silman, my neighbor and one heck of a nurse practitioner. You're listening to Look West. The Look West podcast is produced by the California Assembly Democrats. When you think of California and politics, remember to look west.